everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. everybody and welcome to episode 11 of the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. I am going to be talking about a drama, obviously, because that's what this show is about. And I have picked the Saguk drama, 100 Days My Prince, also known apparently the literal title, 100 Days Husband. Uh, which came out in 2018. It is a 16-episode drama, so nice and short for a sagok, although I might point out that episodes aren't actually all only an hour. I think some of them are like an hour and a half nearly, so it's a bit longer than what it sort of pretends to be, I think. So I really enjoyed this drama, but I also didn't enjoy elements of it. So my review is just going to be structured, you know, stuff I liked, stuff I didn't really like quite so much. Um, but I really wanted to kind of focus on another, you know, Joseon set drama, just because I find that stuff really fun. I kind of wanted to structure my reviews so that I'd be doing, you know, a modern drama discussion one week and then the next week I'd be doing a Saguk but I've kind of realized you know I guess I haven't watched as many Saguk dramas as I thought I had um, I feel like I've watched a million but quite a few of them you know I've watched them so long ago that you know I don't even feel confident trying to talk about it on the show I feel like I've forgotten everything that happens um, which you know some excellent dramas like Princess Man um, gosh even Faith although you know I've watched that a few times so maybe I can go into details on that one. So I'm going to begin this review just with a kind of an overview of the story. So if you haven't seen it, you'll kind of get what it's about and what I'm talking about. And I also um, just wanted to remind you, so this is 100 Days My Prince, which is the English title. Interestingly enough, that is not a direct translation of the actual Korean title. I'm not sure why they've changed it to My Prince instead of 100 Days Husband. But I can see that in Hangul, it's it's written as Bekire. <laughs> so my Korean isn't very good, but I get pretty excited that I know what that means. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So the general story of this is that we have, uh, you know, I guess a past childhood section where this young little child guy who is, you know, the main character, uh, whose name is uh, Iyul. 
So Eeyore is this young son of a prince. He's, you know, a tiny child. He falls in love with this girl and then based, you know, this other little tiny child and they have this, you know, connection and moment and she really inspires him to be a better person. Um, you know, it's pretty typical Saguk childhood section stuff. Um, and then, of course, everything goes to complete shit as, you know, again, that's fairly typical. I really enjoyed it all. I was completely invested. So I think it was done really well. Um, and basically, uh, Eeyore's dad decides he's going to be king. He kind of gets manipulated into doing it by this horrible guy who I'll just call Vice Premier because that's his title in the drama. Um, Vice Premier is played by an actor who's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> he's an old dude called Cho Sung Cho Sung Ha. Cho Sung Ha. Um, I, he's fine. But I don't know that he moves his face a lot. He just tends to like stare at everyone quite blankly. Um, I remember he played Susie's dad in the drama Goo Family Book. And I remember him doing some very dramatic things in that drama while not moving his face at all. And that just that memory of that has really stuck with me. So I find myself kind of having the same reaction to him in this drama. He's a real just, you know, he's a brick wall and he walks around and he kills some people. So he basically ends up killing the female lead dad in this and, you know, setting everything in motion. And Eul ends up being the crown prince of the entire nation. But he also ends up hating his dad and hating everything and turning into, you know, a very cold, mean individual. Uh, before I get into like the meat of the story and what actually happens, I just want to touch on the opening scene. So the opening scene is like a flash forward to something that happens towards the very end of the drama. It's this very dramatic, you know, like war scene and everyone's riding into battle. But it was very, very funny because it opens on the character of Eul, you know, on a horse and he's wearing his cool outfit and it's all very tense. There's tense music and I don't know if my subs got it wrong. Uh, obviously, I don't speak Korean or like just, you know, barely any Korean. Uh, and my subs, basically, he turns around and shouts really dramatically, um, you know, at, at his men, bring me my petticoat. Um, so I don't know what was going on there and what he was actually trying to say. And I didn't really mind. I kind of loved it. It made me laugh a lot. I mean, I think it kind of ruined the epicness of that whole situation, but I don't know, it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, so basically what happens after that in the actual drama is Yi, uh, sorry, Iyul, who is this very cold prince, he is, you know, his people are experiencing a drought and everyone keeps telling him that it's because he's not getting it on with his wife, who is the crown princess, who whose guts he basically fucking hates. He doesn't even want to go near her or look at her because she is the daughter of the vice premier, who he happens to know has basically ruined his life, turned his dad into a king and murdered the father of this, you know, young girl that he was in love with, sort of, you know, childhood first love sort of thing who's disappeared and as far as he knows is dead. So he hates this woman. He doesn't want anything to do with her. And uh, this drought or the ministers are sort of putting pressure on him. So he decides that everyone, you know, it's kind of like a real vindictive thing. He makes this, um, you know, edict that everyone in the land who is unmarried and of marriageable age must get married by a certain date. So then we cut to this little village and we come across the character of Hong Shim. Hong Shim is played by Nam Ji Hyun, who is a wonderful actress. I like her so much. I have seen her in Shopping King Louis. Is that what that one's called? I think Shopping King Louis. She's beautiful in that and completely like 
<laughs> very crazy and cute and sweet. And she's also in Suspicious Partner. And every time I see this actress, I cannot help but think of her in Suspicious Partner, where she had the most fucking amazing hair that I feel I have ever seen on an actress in my life. And the whole drama, she's just like swishing it about every which way and it's all on her face and it's just flying around and it is amazing like I think it's worth checking out that drama just for her swishing hair alone it's so good in this drama unfortunately Nam Ji Hyun is playing a Joseon era you know um, I guess a peasant lady she would be you know of that kind of very lower class but she's free and because she gets married very early on in the drama, she has her hair in a very tight, slick bun the entire show. So I was a little bit sad not to have her beautiful locks kind of floating about the place, uh, but that was okay. I have to say, I really like the character of Hong Shim in this drama. She is... I don't know, I don't feel like she ever descends into, you know, a useless kind of character. She's always got something to do. Or, or like, even when she doesn't, I don't know what it is. She just has agency. She does her own stuff. She's very strong. She's very principled. I really, really liked her. I found her, yeah, I guess just really likable and a really kind of great way to pin the drama. And I suppose it's interesting this whole show is very much structured with, I guess, you know, all this village stuff happening, which is very cute and light and sweet. And then meanwhile, all this really epic high stakes political drama. And Hong Shim isn't always so involved in the political stuff, but I think she still manages to pin the lighter stuff and I guess just give it a bit of gravity um, and kind of like, I think, pin the drama around her a bit. I think she's a wonderful actress, but she just has a very, very likable quality that I think gives her a bit of um, charisma, I suppose. So I thought she was a wonderful choice for the main actress. Um, and I'm not going to talk about the main actor yet. <laughs> So basically what happens is Eul, you know, he goes off, uh, he discovers that his wife, the crown princess, who's pregnant, uh, or he discovers that she is pregnant, basically. And obviously, you know, he hates her and hasn't ever been near her. So they've never got together. So he's, you know, it's pretty obvious that he is not the father. And with this secret, instead of shouting it out to the whole world, he kind of goes off, um, you know, to do this other thing in the countryside and gets hijacked uh, by, you know, the vice premier's men who he doesn't realize that's what it is. But basically he loses his memory and he kind of washes up in this little village, uh, which is where Hongshim lives. So Hongshim is being forced to get married because of the crown prince's uh, new law and of course ends up marrying the crown prince who has no idea who he is and is now called Wanduk and is basically this completely idiotic, amnesic, peasant, ex-military dude who just sort of is wandering around the village not understanding how anything works. So from that point on, the drama for the peasant stuff and the village stuff is, is quite silly and slapstick but quite enjoyable uh, but basically that's the whole setup of the show and now I'm going to move into stuff I loved and stuff that I did not love okay so this is the stuff that I loved about this drama the first thing that I thought was really cool was actually the writing I felt like there was 
just a lot of really interesting things going on in this drama. And even though I think some of the pacing can be a little bit slow because the village life stuff is just at a slower pace. And I do feel like some of the episodes are too long at nearly, you know, at nearly an hour and a half. I still felt like the writing itself kept things very interesting and kept things rolling along. There's so many different elements to this show um, that, you know, something, for instance, like the love triangle element doesn't even come in to the show until about three quarters of the way through. So I guess what I'm saying is quite often you watch a drama and it really, really runs out of plot towards the end. Well, I didn't feel like that was a problem in this show. I felt like it was even there was so many things going on that, you know, big elements of the plot or, you know, familiar staples of a drama plot were kind of held back for quite a while. Because, you know, for instance, the love triangle, um, you know, introducing that element quite a lot later um, after we've had, you know, so many, um, you know, different episodes of relationship development and seeing the characters grow closer. And then you throw something else in the mix later instead of, you know, having that tension run out and have nothing to do for the last few episodes. And of course, because this has a lot of political plotting and intrigue and, you know, quite a few characters that were very interesting, um, you know, that really does fill it out. And those things sort of weave in and out of the very main storyline, which is, of course, the romance between Hong Shim, who is a peasant girl, but not really. She's actually, you know, used to be a noblewoman who's been struck down when her dad got killed um, and the old king got usurped. And of course, her romance with her and Yul, who is now thinks he's Wandok, who's this, you know, idiotic village idiot, basically. And they're forced to get married. So they're married and it's about them coming to rely on each other, getting to know each other and having their romance develop to a point where, and some of it I thought was wonderful and some of it didn't work for me so much. I didn't get completely invested in it, but that was really, it was a personal thing for me. Um, the way it was written, like the story beats of their romance is actually fantastic. Like I loved it really. So basically, you know, he can't remember who he is, but he doesn't know how to do any of these peasant things like, you know, weave straw shoes or cut wood or just do basically anything. He's completely useless, but he does sort of have this fine, like taste for the finer things. And he's very like, Oh, ho, did you touch me? How dare you? All that kind of, you know, real Josen stuff. And, um, he has an inkling that he is more, you know, he's worth more than just being a random peasant. And of course that's true. But the whole time Hong Shim is just trying to control this idiot who's living in her house and ruining her life. So, you know, they start off quite at odds with each other. And it is very nice to then see their relationship develop very slowly into him realizing her worth and her realizing his worth. And they fall in love with each other to the point where he kind of gets very close to the truth of his identity and starts getting a few tiny flashbacks and realizing that the stakes are potentially very, very high for his real identity, that clearly something bad happened and people were trying to kill him and now they think he's dead and someone warns him to stay dead. You know, like, don't, if you come back, it won't be a good thing. And I loved the point where he walks away from it. He never fully discovers the truth. He just understands that 
it could be a very, very dangerous truth and take him away from this tiny village life that he has come to eventually after a very, very long time, maybe a tiny bit too long in my opinion, but he has come to respect it, respect the people in his family and the people around him on the streets. So I really, really liked that he makes this choice to go back and be Hong Shim's husband, to live as Wonduk, even though he knows for a fact that that is not who he is and that he is potentially someone important who maybe has more money and more riches and more power, um, also, you know, more danger. And he doesn't want it because what he wants is Hong Shim. This for me was such a beautiful moment in the romance. It's such a great story beat that he would make a decision like that. Um, and he also makes the decision that when Hong Shim, you know, leaves her little village and runs off because her brother's coming back to pick her up, that he will go. So he's willing to basically follow her to the ends of the earth. Like, and I find that very, very romantic, particularly when it's laid out with such an intense choice between, you know, being a pauper, having nothing and following a woman to who knows where, who, you know, to be on the run for the rest of your life away from the law, as opposed to just finding out the truth. You know, you would want to know so badly who you were, who you left behind. And also, you know, even maybe just the allure of being someone important instead of being a destitute peasant, you know, and I really really liked that element. I thought that that was awesome. Their romance is awesome. Um, even when you think about him making that decision to stay with Hongshim and then finding out immediately afterwards that he's the crown prince and getting whisked away to the palace and realizing that he's married and his wife has a child on the way and not realizing that he's not the father and the horror of it, of being in love with someone who is literally a peasant who he can never be with and who's the kind of woman that isn't really going to readily agree to be his concubine and live in the palace like that's not really the kind of person she is um and I loved that that's like it's a real sort of angsty tragedy to their love story that I really really liked so the romance I think was actually it's a funny thing. I didn't get fully invested in it, even though I loved Hong Shim and I loved the story beats of it. I loved, you know, I guess I loved the romance in its written form, but actually watching it unfold, it didn't hook into my heart the way it should have. Um, other stuff I wanted to talk about that I just freaking loved, like this is probably one of my main problems in this drama and I'm starting to blur stuff I love with stuff I didn't love, but because I wasn't so invested in the main romance, which is absolutely the main storyline in this show, I was more invested in some very, very barely on screen storylines that were happening in the background and some barely on screen characters that I was like, oh my God, why are these characters not the leads in their own drama? This is so compelling. Um, very interesting. I have read a little bit online of people not liking the crown princess and yes, she is cruel. She's manipulative, um, but she's also completely badass. She's so cool and she is who she is because she's been brought up in a very 
cool, a very streamlined way by a very, very scary dad who has very much so forced her into the situation she is in. And she is a survivor. And I thought she was hardcore. I thought she was fantastic. Frankly, I, yes, she was lying to her husband. And yes, she was, (laughs) you know, she kind of killed some people and stuff like that, like totally. But I kind of loved that gray area as a character. You know, I found her very, very fascinating. And I would have basically died to have been watching a drama with her as the main character and her tragic love story as the main love story in the drama. So I really love, the other thing I love about this show is how they reveal that the crown princess is pregnant. It is done in a very slow way uh, where it It basically is the crown prince investigating what this secret is and there's hints, there's little bits and clues and stuff as he looks into things, the viewer is slowly realising as well. But we realise the truth at the exact same time that he does and he accuses her of being pregnant and we also understand that he hates her and has never slept with her. So straight away you're just like, oh my gosh, that is intense. She is in the most precarious, terrifying position that a a woman could be in. And as much as she is, you know, the second most powerful woman in Joseon underneath the queen, she also literally has no power whatsoever. She has you know, guards surrounding her. She's basically in a prison that is the palace. She is under the thumb of her father. She is completely held in place by everyone's whims. You know, she does not have choices. She is surviving and she is a hardcore survivor. So I found her wonderful, but I found her more of a tragic figure than a villain at all. I, I, yeah, I loved her. So then we know that she's pregnant and we know that as a married woman, she's met someone and become pregnant. And I think it's pretty obvious, like from the beginning, that this was a choice. So she has done something of her own choice completely against what her father would want. Like, this is the worst case scenario for a crown princess. This is like, you know, completely end of life and ruin your entire family stuff. So she has gone against every expectation placed on her. And clearly, obviously, she has fallen in love with someone and been with him and now is carrying his child. And you cannot help but immediately be like, holy fuck, who is who is he? Like, who is this person that has made her risk her entire world? And so meanwhile, we've also met this um, young assassin guy who, again, you know, these two characters are barely in this show. I just found them the most wonderful, fascinating thing about the show. So this guy, uh, oh, so I just mentioned the crown princess, uh, her name is Sohe, and she's played by an actress called Han Sohee. And I thought she was fantastic. She was so good. Uh, she's very, very strong and intense, but she also has a frailty to her. I I thought she was so good. And the young assassin, a very tragic assassin, is called Muyon. And he is played by an actor called Kim Jae-young, who I have never seen before and who is insanely handsome and has the best eyebrows in the world. Like they're, they're very nice. He is look he's extremely good looking and he's playing you know basically catnip to me which is a a tragic lower class man you know uh, (laughs) I just can't help but be obsessed by this storyline I feel like it's the kind of thing that's just very much written for me so pretty much the drama doesn't ever tell you 
that he is the dad until super, 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 super late in the show. But the second that you see the crown princess go back to her father's estate and walk out of a room after talking to her father and just kind of they both just look at each other and it's not a look of love it's not anything there's a lot of history and things aren't that great clearly but you know I like I mean I knew straight away the second I saw them connect eyes I was like oh that is the dad of her baby and then you know your imagination just goes wild like how did that happen how did they fall in love how did they even get alone time like what and I just wanted to know everything and basically I just wanted to watch that romance um the thing I hate about this drama is you know it's totally tragic and nothing good happens to them and their romance is completely fucked so that was really really sad I didn't like it but at the same time you know it's pretty obvious that's where the drama was going all right so the stuff that I did not like I am going to just come out and say this and I hope I don't get roasted alive uh, but the main actor in this who I'm pretty sure everyone knows as D.O. I didn't like him I didn't like him at all I just really didn't like him I didn't like his face I didn't like his acting I didn't like anything about him and I feel like if this drama had been starring someone I really really loved like Yoon Shi Yoon or oh my gosh like a million different actors who could have fit this role I think really really well I think I could have like fucking adored this show it is a really good show I think just the way it's written and the storylines and the stakes and the romance, the beats in it are so, so, so good. And unfortunately, I just fucking hated this guy and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't connect with him at all. And I just didn't like him. And I hope people don't hate me for saying that. I know people, you know, if you really love an actor or actress, you feel like an incredibly strong bias towards them and, you know, probably like <laughs> defensive about them and protective of them. And like, I totally get that. You know, I'm a massive, massive fan of a lot of actors and actresses. And I swear if I was listening to, you know, a review when someone was ripping the shit out of them, I would feel really, really unhappy about that. So I hope that if you are a do Kyung Soo lover that you will understand this is like I don't know that he's bad I just personally did not connect with him personally he just was not for me so I hope that you can still listen to this review and not feel bad if I just have a different opinion on you know just on that one particular thing but personally for me I'm sure it's not an acting thing um, I think it's a decision you know, and it could have been a director decision or the actor's decision. But, you know, as a prince, he's very cold and authoritative and, you know, he doesn't move his face and he stares a lot and he's very expressionless. And then when he becomes a peasant, Wanduk, he carries that over. And at first I really liked it I because, you know, I expected as soon as he had amnesia, I thought he would be different, that he would be more carefree, that he would lose some of this unhappiness that has turned him into this very stony person. And I kind of liked that he didn't. I liked that he was the exact same person with the same expectations on everyone else, um, but that he just couldn't remember anything. I actually thought that was interesting and kind of cool because it wasn't what I expected. But because he's basically an actual prince, 
living in a little, you know, silly hut in a little dirty village, he was an absolute asshole to everybody. And you know what? Of course he was. Like, that's what you would be like if you were in that position. But it did drag on for quite a long time. And I felt like I didn't see enough development from him. Um, and I don't mean from an actor way, I mean from a character, character development. I didn't see him changing fast enough for me to find him likable. I wanted to see him warm to people and evolve and grow quicker than I feel he did. And then because of, I think, an acting decision, even when the character warms to the people around him and falls in love with Hongshim and starts you know, tolerating the other villagers. I, that's probably the best I could say. I don't know if he loves them, tolerates them. He still does not move his face and he still does this really flat stone face kind of thing. And obviously that's a decision because that is the character of the prince. And I feel like it does actually work quite well when he's barking out orders as the prince and dressed as the prince, um, you know, towards the end of the drama and the start of the drama. But in that middle section, when he is literally a peasant and he does nothing except yell at people and tell them, how dare you? And also just never move his face ever. He's so stony. Nothing comes across. I just could not, I couldn't even see that he was, you know, like things would happen in the drama to show me that he was falling in love with Hongshim. So through his actions, he would do something and I'd be like, oh, his opinion of her is changing. But I couldn't see that on his face. And I feel like, oh, I mean, I could be wrong and I'm biased, obviously, about the actors that I like. But someone like Lee jong Ki, he could do a stony, stone-faced character, but his eyes are so expressive that he would still bring across, you know, like a shit ton of emotion just with his eyeballs. And I feel like an actor who maybe was able to do that, I feel would have been better suited for a role that requires you to be so contained and... Um, you know, inner facing, I think, for most of the show, because I wanted to see his feelings more than what I did. So I think that was another reason why I guess the romance didn't really work for me. And I'm going to say something like super, super petty here. And again, I hope, you know, that you understand it's just an opinion, but you know, everyone in the drama is like, oh, he's so good looking. Look how good looking he is. He's so good looking. I'm like, really? <laughs> and you know, that's totally a personal tasting. He, I just don't find him very good looking at all. So I'm just like, what's going on? I'm so confused. And then you've got someone like Muyon playing Hong Shim's older brother roaming around in the background, who's like the most good looking man on earth. And then I'm supposed to think this crown prince is so handsome. And I'm like, eh, mm, uh. but you know, by this point I was already so invested in this sort of, not even a secondary love story with the crown princess and, you know, this tragic assassin, but like a, a third tier, fourth tier love story, you know, barely any screen time love story. So I feel like from the very beginning, my attention and my love was going in, you know, the wrong direction and not the direction that it was meant to with this show. Um, and, you know, that's just a personal taste thing. That's all it is. So that's probably enough of me uh, ripping apart Dio. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can't help how I feel. 
So other things I didn't like about the drama was probably, you know, I mentioned about the vice premier. I'm not a mad fan of that actor. So he's the big villain of the piece. But another thing I didn't like about him is that he is, he, you know, he has this intense 10 year plan to, you know, take over Joseon and he's kind of moving everyone around like chess pieces. But he, I think his motivations behind wanting to be the most powerful man in the whole world are just never really clear because, you know, when he puts this king on the throne at the start of the drama, you know, he kind of stages a coup against the old king, gets rid of him, kills a bunch of people and puts up um, Eel's dad as the new king. That king is basically a puppet king. The most powerful person in the whole of Joseon now is the vice premier. He's not the most powerful in name. He's not the figurehead of the country, but he's literally pulling the strings. So I'm like, how do you get more powerful than that? I mean, maybe you sit on the throne and well, I, but then what? Someone will just want to murder you. That's all that will happen if you're sitting on the throne. So, I mean, he's already so powerful. So I just couldn't understand his motivations of wanting to push higher than where he was already stationed. And, you know, like his daughter is literally the crown princess and is pregnant with what everyone blindly assumes will be a son for some reason. I fucking would love it if she'd stayed married and had a daughter and then seen everyone scramble around. But anyway, so, you know, he literally his descendant is destined to be, you know, if it's a boy, as everyone presumes, a crown prince is, is destined to probably be a king. So, I mean, in terms of taking over Joseon, I mean, how much more taken over can Joseon be by this one dude? Like, he's kind of achieved it already. And yet he spends the whole drama doing that again. I don't really know. And there's one scene where he sort of, you know, he tries to explain his motivations and it's kind of poor. It's like a poor man's version of the villain in Joseon Gunman, who, you know, used to be a slave and went through starvation and went through all this shit stuff to rise up to be you know, a more powerful guy. But this guy's like, oh, have you, you know, to his his daughter, the crown princess is like, why the fuck are you doing this? And he's like, oh, because, you know, have you ever been starving? Have you ever lost everything? And I'm like, dude, have you? You're a fucking vice premier. Like you're from a noble family. You have like this big insane house and a thousand assassins. Like, and it never got explained. Like, is he talking about his childhood? I don't think so. Like he's, he is a noble. They, they, they don't, starve to death unless they're you know I guess there would be nobles that wouldn't have money and stuff but he didn't explain that so it was really weird it was just really weird like he wasn't ever going to starve to death in the future because he's the fucking vice premier like and the more he needles at the king and starts ruining everybody's life you know the more likely he is to be cast down and starved to death so anyway I didn't get it but also I kind of didn't care. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm going on about it so much. So it didn't really matter. Uh, something else uh, that I thought was kind of weird, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't weird. I guess I didn't mind it when I was watching it. But in hindsight, I'm kind of like, it really does feel like two separate dramas at times. There's all this political intrigue going on, all this high stakes stuff. And then simultaneously, there's all this really bumbly you know villager life romance stuff so I kind of didn't mind that to be honest I think I probably shouldn't have put that under my stuff I didn't like section because it didn't really bother me but you know maybe from a tonal or writing point of view like yeah I guess I guess you know that could be a point that people might not enjoy 
I don't really know. I didn't mind it, to be honest. I forgot to mention also, I'm just all over the place here, but one thing that I really loved, I did love, and I forgot to mention in my love section was the vice premier, who is this old dude, (laughs) you know, like he's just an old minister guy with a big minister outfit and a little scraggly beard. At one point, like he gets surrounded by like 40 assassins and then he just turns like full ninja and they have to bring in this body double because this guy's he's old (laughs) and then this body double is just turns into an utter ninja and just like freaking kills everybody and you know this guy's supposed to be I mean I don't know how old he is but (laughs) he doesn't look like a really you know there's a lot of older actors out there who you look at them and you're like yeah I believe that you could kick some butt but this dude I'm like nah (laughs) so I actually really enjoyed that I thought it was very funny I'm trying to think of what else I didn't like. I guess something else I didn't like was the fact that Muyon dies. So he's the, you know, the incredibly good looking assassin guy played by Kim Jae-yong. Yeah, it sucked that he died. But, you know, I I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, his romance with the crown princess was going to be a tragedy. I did really like that they sort of got their shit together enough to, to sort of be honest about their feelings and make it clear that they wanted to be together, that she was going to run away with him and he was going to take her away. That's why he goes back to Hanyang after he finds his sister finally is because he can't leave her behind. And I thought it was really sad that he obviously didn't know for sure that it was it was his baby for a long time. He didn't know that the crown princess had never slept with the crown prince. Like, of course, he would have presumed they had. They're married. And I thought it was very sad that he... You can tell when he asks her, you know, if it's his baby, he he hopes it is. He wants it to be. And when she says it is, he's just like he has this intense moment. And then later on, she laughs and she lies and she tries to make light of it and says it isn't. And he's so he looks so devastated. And I loved it. I loved everything about their relationship and that push and pull. And, you know, I'm just talking about that again because it was the thing I was most invested in in the whole drama. Okay, look, I think that's it for me. Um, the ending was fine. Everything was good. I I think I could have fucking absolutely loved this drama with a different male lead as, you know, just a personal taste thing. I think that's what would have kicked it over the line for me because everything else I didn't like about it were very small scale on comparison and the kind of stuff that if you are enjoying the main love story or you know the main storyline or the main performances of the characters I think it's all stuff that you just totally overlook like stuff that just wouldn't have even you know hit me at all I wouldn't have cared so I think that really is the only thing that properly properly didn't work for me and it led to me having mixed feelings about the drama as a whole instead of I think loving it so I would definitely suggest if you like Saguk give this a go if you like romance give it a go and if you like Dio freaking go watch it you will probably freaking adore this drama because it is very very good It is time now for my random thing of the week and in keeping with the fact that I've been discussing a Saguk drama with you, I wanted to just talk a little bit about a spot of history that sort of popped up because of this drama that kind of uh, I was quite interested in. So this drama is completely fictional, so that means all the political stuff is not real. Um, You know, 
so often many Joseon set dramas are completely fictionalized, but the king will be, you know, a real king and a lot of the really major events in the story could be real events um, and they just sort of create a fictional story wrapped around that. In this case, um, you know, the prince isn't real and it's made up. So the characters are fictional, but they do mention, so Eul, uh, he loses his memory and he comes back to the village as they keep saying he's been away in the military. So he's been fighting, I think, up north, uh, like, you know, on the borders and stuff. And I find this very interesting. So it he it, it kind of comes to light, I guess, that he served an extra for an extra amount of time because he served for himself. But then he also served on behalf of a noble. So I find it very interesting in Joseon times. I've done a little bit of reading and, you know, if a noble got into trouble with the law or obviously got recruited to be in the military, they could actually have the option to pay a peasant money to serve their term for them. So just say you've done something wrong and you have, you know, the judge or whatever, the local magistrate has said you're going to get 20 lashings. You as a noble person are allowed to go and pay a really poor person who's desperate for money to take those lashings. Or you could you know, I guess they could die on your behalf and you could promise to look after their family or something like that. So this is the same with the military recruitment. So in this drama, Wondok, you know, fictionally, because he lost his memory and hadn't actually been in the military anyway, but what they tell him is that he served on behalf of a noble. And I've actually seen it. Um, I have forgotten the name of the movie right now, but I might actually look it up and talk about it in the future because it was a very, very good movie. Uh, and it was set in Joseon times at the very, very beginning of the Imjin War. So that's the late 1500s, I believe. And there's a lot of characters in that who are basically soldiers fighting on the borders in the north and these are very very hardcore hardcore soldiers like very experienced military dudes but they're all peasants they're very lower class and these characters have um i think in the in the movie from memory they had multiple name tags so they actually have the tags of the people that they're serving on behalf of so the nobles who are able to afford to get out of their service by paying someone poorer it's such an interesting system and i mean realistically even though you know i think in modern days our systems aren't quite that biased at the same time i guess most societies have those elements where if you are rich, you can get out of things. You know, if you're rich, you can pay your way out of things. And it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, that stuff is so rooted in history, so deep, and it does carry over today, I think. Um, just not on maybe such an extreme level, but yeah, it's, I found it really, really fascinating. And it's something, I guess, uh, an element of Joseph's life that I would actually like to know more about. So hopefully I'll find out more and talk to talk about it a bit more in the future. But I think that's good enough for my random thing of the week.